Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Hey, Howie. What's up? Not a lot. How are you doing? I just encountered some racism. What happened? Yeah, I went for a COVID test and uh, she took one look at me and said, we're going to need a longer swab. <laughs> and then she says to me, she goes, it's okay, I'm Jewish. Oh, wow. And I kind of, I kind of was like, maybe she was, that was a, maybe she was making a pass on me. She likes guys with big noses. Could be. Why not? I'm fired up. Great. Who's on today? We, uh, we have my friend Yoshi, who's on fire. Well, he says he's on fire. You know, they could be making up numbers, these founders, for all we know. But I take their word for it because we do our due diligence, and Yoshi's a good kid. Anyways, I am focused on fintech, as you know. I hope you know you're an LP in our fund. I do. Okay. Whew. Getting the memos. And I've been thinking about, well, I always sad my life thinking about swabs right now. But when I'm not thinking about swabs, thinking about fintech. And I wrote some today called the FinTAM explosion. I read that. Oh, you liar. But anyways, FinTAM. Everybody's talking <laughs> about fintech. Everybody wants to be a fintech investor. You're coming up to me, say, I already got Norwegian fintech deals. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stick to, stick to oil and whales and sushi and fjords. Okay. I'm out of Norwegian things to say. What, what's something Norwegian that I could say? <laughs> Oslo. And, and really what's amazing is, and you'll hear from Yoshi, is this FinTAM explosion. I mean, the market for financial services, the, the, the fact that people want to trade for the first time, old, young, babies, adults, everybody wants a piece of Tesla on Amazon. You know, right. I've had uh, John Street Capital on the show to talk about international FinTech. Anyway, so we have one of our portfolio companies because, you know, we believe in promoting our companies on today's episode. Yoshi from Alpaca. Sounds good. Yoshi! What's up? Howard, thank you very much for inviting me here. Thank you, okay. buddy. The, um, I have a lot to talk to you about, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. So where are you today? I'm in uh, San Francisco, right by the San Francisco airport. And if you looked outside right now, how many syringes and homeless people can you see? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about it. It's a lot, people. <laughs> what about the color of the sky? It's bad, right? It's actually got a little bit better this morning. It's still pretty white, uh, but it's not like red or orange anymore, which is, I guess, better sign. What an incredibly horrific year for California. If yeah, you were to guess it. on what plague is next, I have frogs for 200 and locusts for 100 on, on DraftKings. What, if you were to pick <laughs> one plague that's coming to San Francisco next, what would it be? It's an interesting question, but like you need to tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think just a, a, a lot of tuna may be coming over the, from Japan, bad tuna. So just be careful yeah. for the next 48 hours. The, yeah. So you're from, you're from where in Japan? I'm originally from uh, Osaka, Japan, and, but, and grew up there, but, you know, worked in Tokyo, uh, lived in Kyoto, 
and uh, uh, moved into the uh, Bay Area, Silicon Valley area. And you are now 35. Yeah, a little bit older, uh, 30, 38, 39, something like that. You have a baby face, uh, for <laughs> sure. The, the, I don't know if that's a compliment, but you do. The, <laughs> and I hate giving compliments, so take it as, a, take it as you wish. Yes, but, sure. Um, so you moved here for, to San Francisco. The food in Osaka over Tokyo. Definitely Osaka and definitely Kyoto. That's the best. Yeah. And you spent most of COVID there so far, correct? Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I was back in Japan after the COVID exploded, and the, I was there probably like you know four months or so. Uh, came back here like a month ago. And what have you noticed? Obviously, it's a huge difference. Uh, San Francisco versus Osaka at home with sure. your family. COVID. What What was the biggest thing you noticed? Well, I think one thing is um, you know the culture difference about the you know wearing masks and the culture of shaming other people in Japan, where you have this peer pressure that, you know, you are forced to wear masks. So you know, a lot of people wear masks. They're very silent in the public transportation or anywhere because, you know, you don't want to be looked at during this time of the, uh, you know, things happening. So I think that's kind of preventing the spread of the coronavirus in general or in any virus in general in Japan because of that kind of attitude, <laughs> which is very different yeah. from here. Yeah, I heard, I don't know if this is true, that if I went to Japan, JC tells me, and I was rude, people wouldn't wouldn't shame me. Is that true? That's true, or you just don't notice it, right? It's so subtle, you know? It's so subtle. <laughs> so you're saying behind my back, the Japanese, just <laughs> right, right. ripping me. Okay, that's fair. I'm not just talking about COVID. I said, like, JC was telling me, he goes there all the time, he was saying, well, yeah, I have, it's been a while for me. Japan felt, like, I went pre-internet, and it really was, like, going yeah. to the moon, right? Like, there was right. just, you were at the whim of, you know, the language and the culture and the big city. It was really really the, the farthest I've ever felt from home. But with the internet, I think uh, it's a much easier place to be and I can't wait to go, but I'm going with you. So I've invited yes. myself, you know that, and this is why yeah. you came back. You heard I wanted yep. to come to Japan and you braved COVID yep. to come back. Yes, yes, that is true. Very true. So let's go through uh, the history of the company because Alpaca's, yep. you know, it's done all the cool stuff. It's done the pivot. It's done Y Combinator. Yep. You yep. Uh, have raised capital. You've done cap table management. Mm -hmm. And now, and now you've, you're dealing with growth and you've had to deal yep. with COVID. And yeah. I mean, I'm scared. Every time I talk to you, I think there's going to be something bad happening. <laughs> but, but you and I kind of hit it off from the minute we met. Yep. So tell me where the company is today and let's walk back yes. through how it evolved there because you know where it's at today is in a is in a hot category. Yep. But and so let's talk about how founders yeah, can sure. evolve because I think that'll help people. So so today where is Alpaca? Yes. Yeah, so we are building API for uh, stock trading and uh, that has been getting some traction from the uh, developers and the uh, traders uh, small coins hedge funds as well. We've been doing about like you know between one billion two billion transaction volume a month, uh, I think which has been you know pretty good number considering that we launched the product end of two thousand eighteen. So it's been only like one and a half year uh, or so. So we've been growing pretty massively, uh, thanks to the help from the you know Howard and the team. Uh, so that's where we are. Uh, we got all the FINRA licenses, uh, broker dealer stuff, and you know we are. Uh, planning to launch more uh, cool products that's going to help uh, international uh, companies and the services to launch 
uh, the uh, brokerage uh, products outside the U.S. So that's something that we are really heads down working while keeping up with the growth. And so it's easy. Well, I mean, it's not any easier today. So, so why? What was the big idea when you started? Because I know I've been pitched. Sure. I had been pitched through yeah. all the iterations of the company, and yeah. I had yeah. uh, gracefully passed because I'm a yes. genius. Yes. You know, I know yes. these things. Yes. Yeah. I didn't yeah. want to plug it, but you weren't going to say that, so I have to let the audience. <laughs> so, when you came to me and, I, and we just hit it off, and I was like, ah, I love this, but I don't love it as a venture company. So, how did it start out? Because I was introduced to you by Ed Sim, who's a fucking yes. genius. Yep. And he was like, You got to meet Yoshi. And then I met you, and I just implied if Ed Sim says you're smart, I return calls right away. And because Ed obviously was correct, you're smart. So, but I didn't love the idea. So tell, 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 mm-hmm. tell everybody how you got started. Of course. So uh, we initially started our business in 2015. We actually did three different products before Alpacada Markets, which is API for stock trading that we're doing right now. The first one is a, a really technology-oriented business where we're building neural nets uh, models to predict markets because at that time, there was a, you know, computer vision stuff, convolutional neural nets, LSTM, like those were really hot. And we were really trying to apply those things into the financial markets. And that's how we started the business. And we got profitable, you know, growing nicely, but not as fast as we wanted to be. So we tried out two different products that could be scalable, we thought, to apply that similar process, prediction models, type of algorithm businesses uh, to the end users and the individual users. And that's uh, when I actually was introduced to Howard, luckily. And the, uh, you know, we, of course, went to the uh, Stock Orbit Fest uh, and the, uh, you know, presented there as well. But I think that problem that we've saw, we've seen after doing those three different iteration of the products is that we always had to work with the licensed regulated broker dealer. Because as a tech company, we cannot touch the money we cannot really have a control, fully experienced control of the end users, what they want to do. And as a company who need to connect to the uh, broker dealers, online broker dealers, we had an extremely difficult time uh, trying to figure out where that firstly API document is. It's really, you know, mostly not likely you cannot find it on the website. And you need to look for someone who knows about what's going on in that company being responsible for that API business. And after you find that, then you have to go through this compliance process, like you're filling out those bunch of the information and it takes like another few months or six months to get approval. So like as a tech company, like why is this happening? And this is really even a bigger problem than we used to be working on to building the uh, end user applications, understanding the whole problem that we had to face ourselves. So that's really the uh, problem that we understood that we had to solve by uh, our 120 person force, uh, which uh, you know finally became to be Alpacada Markets. Wow. See, yeah, and I, I was always just bullish on you, but it was like a three year hellish arc for you to land back on my yeah. desk. It kept coming back to me. I think people don't understand this. They just think they're going to ping a, a VC or get warm intro. And it's going to fall in love or they're just going to say no right away, which is 90% of the business. Uh, no, sorry. The no is 90%, 95% of the business, 99% of the business. The yeses aren't overnight, right? Even though we're a seed stage investors, like we have a thesis and we, we don't like to tell people what to do, but we have our own idea of what it is. 
now that you're into a big idea, the, the rabbit hole is it just gets bigger and it doesn't get easier, right? Like you're finding that it's like, oh, you unwrap this thing. There's more layers that you have to yeah. have to go. So when did you realize that it was the right idea? The right idea is really when, um, so like, you know, we of course did a lot of uh, user interviews and industrially, industry players, uh, you know, interviews, uh, including at that time, there was a lot of uh, quants community and the API was mainly used at that time was a lot of automation of investing or trading. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, at that point, like, you know, of course we talked to, like to Rachel, like, you know, Trigger Finance, I don't, and, uh, you know, Quants, uh, Quantapian, um, and the other bunch of the types of those automation investing platforms and services, like what they think about the idea. And they all said the uh, you know, same issue that they're facing, like, uh, you know, we used to be feeling. So uh, this must be something that, you know, we have to do. And the bad thing about it was that we couldn't make just a minimal viable product to prove that this is going to be actually working because we need to get the broker dealer license to actually launch the product to show that it's working. So that is the huge commitment. And uh, we had a very, very uh, difficult time to motivate, keep motivating ourselves because it's just really painful, uh, you know, spending a lot of money on the legal fee, um, and the compliance fee and, the, you know, dealing with the regulators, you know, building the broker dealer from scratch is not an easy thing. So that, but like, you know, that itself process felt like, you know, okay, this is also the proof point why this has not been solved yet, even though there is, there is a problem. That's what excites yeah. me yeah. is yeah. you're getting some traction and you're realizing, as I always told and again, I made this mistake as an operator myself with StockTwits. It's like I was scared to do a broker-dealer, but you know now broker-dealers are table stakes, meaning do you go and see if there's product market fit and then but go backwards to get the broker-dealer with no business model unless you do the broker-dealer versus take the risk, get a broker-dealer without having product market fit. It's a really, I don't think people understand. Now everybody wants to do fintech, but I don't think they really understand how hard fintech really is if you want to be a venture-backed, successful fintech business, it's very hard unless you are a broker dealer or have some kind of way to participate in the transaction. Definitely, definitely. And, and I think what I realized is that the first product that we launch is something that people are going to see us for a long time. Um, you know, it's not easy to transform ourselves into something else, even though you want to. And that's what I'm also realizing that I think we did good job taking that risk, uh, building the API first broker from the get go. Genius. I uh, like I look back at my portfolio, Yoshi, and I'm like, okay, 2008, you know, Wall Street, Stock Twits, then we did eToro, still not a broker dealer. And then you know, wide charts, uh, like tons of, of early, early fintech. And then Robinhood comes along and I'm like, they built it perfectly. And when we invested, they didn't have the brokerage. So it was like, they knew they had to go get it. So we were investing you know, in a seed stage, I think it was like eight to 10 million pre because they didn't have a brokerage, right? So they were like the first, because even Wealthfront and Betterment weren't doing the hard work. It was like a hack. And I think that will come back to haunt them, but in valuation and in, in traction and customer acquisition and, and margin. Whereas now I'm looking, eToro has a brokerage, StockTwits, you, Robinhood, you know, we've done one in Singapore, GoTrade, American broker dealer working on it. And like, we won't look at something big 
idea unless they have the monetization idea of the brokerage data, which is good for you too. How does that fit in with you? Because you see yourself as providing that service, correct? That is correct. Um, you know, what we do is, of course, like, you know, we brand ourselves as a developer first API product, not the financial services company. But on the back end, what's happening is a lot of, lot of compliance work, a lot of operation, back office, middle office, connecting to a bunch of the different things, uh, AML, KYC, data, clearing, execution. Uh, it's just a lot. And, you know, people shouldn't have to really worry about that if they didn't have to. And I think our job is to really optimize this whole process that has been so legacy that a lot of middlemen were taking a piece and which we, you know, try to give that back to the players that's going to come in uh, to be a part of it instead of the legacy players just, you know, not providing much of the value and, you know, taking a lot of money out of the system. And two two big players, there's not many, the two big players in this business, old timers, Apex, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. And DriveWealth, which is uh, mm-hmm. a well-funded uh, startup, and they power Square's brokerage, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so who is looking for Alpaca today? What does that customer look like? So our focus is really to how we can be the developer first product instead of the top-down sales, financial services person selling the product to other players or broker dealers. So the perfect players right now for us is really, you know, smaller founders, like you know, teams that's starting broker dealer in different countries um, and, uh, you know, founders who's been building something on top of the, you know, existing legacy uh, platforms, but like, you know, want to finally, you know, found, find us that's actually developer friendly that, you know, they can control what they do. Uh, so those are the uh, current, like not ideal customers and the customers that we are getting right now. And what are you noticing about international? What's the thing that you're noticing? Is it, is it the Robin hood thing or is it mm. like, what is the thing that made, I mean, the Japanese were in the stocks first bubble, right? SoftBank, uh, yeah. <laughs> E-Trade Japan. So the Japanese yeah. are, are as conservative as a country as it is, they love them stocks over in Japan, but they've had 20 years of, of zilch. Yes, uh, yes. So and what is it that you're seeing about international? Yeah, sure, ma- sure. That makes you excited? Yeah. I think like, you know, it's not only about it's an international or in the U.S. What I have like experienced is that because like what we're dealing with is the financial services and this is investing, right? So it relates to money. Money is super emotional. So I think what the Robinhood did super well is that they understood the emotion of the certain group of the people that they knew so well. So they were able to create extremely customized experience for that group of the people and just kicked everyone away. And that worked perfectly. Then they can penetrate so deep and take the basically 120% market share of like who they wanted to target. And I think that's how any financial services and that's why I think like, you know, FinTech's up and like, you know, as you're talking about FinTam in your like newsletter is talking about is that each person needs different types of the experience and the different level of the sophistication and different like distance to the money and investing. And this is all not only being international, but even for the age group, like, you know, kind of a community that we belong to. And, you know, I think being in the different countries, a very easy way to understand that because even if you launch the Robinhood in Japan, it wouldn't work because most of us don't speak English. So like, how are we supposed to like, you know, navigate the Robinhood app, even though it's super intuitive and it's so cool, it's not going to work. 
and like you know the Japanese people only invest like you know 10 of their assets into the you know investments in the U.S. about 40 to 50 percent. And so, which means that like you know distance and like you know user experience doesn't just solve that problem. And th that is the case for any countries that we work with and any culture that we work with. And that's why we believe in creating a platform is the like easiest approach for us to offer what we offer to the 7 billion persons on the earth. Because, you know, the, each of the partners understand about the cultures and the, you know, the, what they're coming from, like who they are targeting, instead of us trying to pretend, know them. So our job is really to have the developer first approach of like, you know, being a developer friendly things. And that's why I really like, you know, became even more confident, uh, you know, working with the, not only the, you know, me, coming from Japan, but also, you know, entrepreneurs, founders, and the players in so many different countries and cultures and the continents. And I think that's what right. I'm finding out. So let me give you an example. And, and this is the, the beauty of what you're doing. Because if you'd asked me if I was going to do international fintech investing 10 years ago, I'd listen. My, my mantra has always been, um, if I have to go to international fine business, I'm not working hard enough. And here I am in 2020, all excited about international, not because I'm lazy, just because I think it's low-hanging fruit. And my job is to create alpha for my LPs. And, you know, if the alpha is easier somewhere else, I hate being that guy to like break my own rules. It just seems obvious to me that in a world where the Robin Hood, the person that Robin Hood inspires in Nigeria or Mexico or Singapore or Jakarta, you know, needs, I mean, should they have to take that one in a bazillion chance of being Robin Hood or be able to light themselves up on alpacas back end and, and do this in how much time could you save? 90%? In a world where Alpaca's got everything that it wants in its offering, how much would it save someone who wants to spin up a Robin Hood of their own country? Oh, 90, 95% for sure. Right. And so that's why I think people may not, you know, you could, you could have a million people describe APIs, but that's really what it is. It's allowing people to just light up 95% faster. Now, of course, you're assuming that the technology works, like a lot of assumptions at Agora, Twilio, that they work. Well, obviously they do because the customers love them, but it's not easy to do. And the more, and this is why these stocks, these public stocks of these API people just go up because the, the retention and the customer acquisition and the, and the delight and the spreading of, of margins and goodwill seems endless at this point. What is it that comes next beyond APIs? What's the stuff or is it, are we just early days of API? I think it's really like early days of the API. Um, so that goes like I'm so like, you know, talking with a lot of different countries and like, you know, people in the tech scenes. But I think like when we talk about API, not very many people really understand what the API company, API product is. Like people so give, us, kind of uh, give us your definition. Yeah, sure. Like API company, API product means that does not mean you have the API uh, document. It has to come with a community that loves the API. There has to be the open source, like, you know, different type of the languages, SDKs connected to the API. So it's not just having the API product or like, you know, opening up the API does not make you an API company. And if you're selling that, like, you know, top-down sales, uh, you know, making, the, making your clients work with the API that you provide as an enterprise sale, that I don't think is going to be an API company. API company has to work like bottom-up approach where developer has to initiate the whole uh, project and testing so easily and can do it in a way that so it's so seamless that like, you know, ideal scenario that, you know, top-down 
uh, approach wouldn't have to be there so that like, you know, there is no force or pressure coming from the executive management, but like, you know, developers use that because they know what, what works the best. And I think that whole concept of the API product is not really understood globally yet. And I think it's coming because like, you know, I see a lot of uh, companies and services started to provide, like you know, focusing on the developer cultivation product management, the developer community. And that's really the trend that we are finally seeing after you know, the birth of the code academies, Lambda school, now everyone's going to be a coder and like, you know, no code movement, like, you know, everyone's like, you know, have the weapons to be a coder in a very easy, seamless way. And I think those things are really the trend that's finally making the world realizing what it means by the true API product and API company. And not very many companies has done that yet. So assuming tech and legal and securities is handled, what's the biggest thing that you're focused on, assuming those three things? Uh, yeah, that's a very difficult question because uh, we do have to worry about all those things. Of course, and the, of course. But assuming yeah, 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 yeah. you, and I know you have some legendary tech team, I'm not going to give names out so they can yeah. be stolen. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and you don't even let these people on the internet so right. they can be stolen. <laughs> very smart of you. Very smart of you. You set up a fake internet for them. Yep. Because um, the Japanese are five steps ahead, people. So in that world, you love tech. You're lit up everywhere. What's next? Is it community or is it marketing or is it what? What is the role of Yoshi? Oh, definitely. What, what we are focusing on, of course, growth. Uh, growth is everything, and that in order to grow, um, uh, operation is the key. And I think operation does not only mean the actual daily operation, but also there's a compliance operation, and there's a uh, you know uh, the tech side of the operation dealing with a lot of uh, you know low latency stuff that we have to handle because we send a lot of orders. Uh, to everywhere so we have to be working on that as well um, but like you know what we really uh, are focusing on is how can we make our products so easy to integrate with uh, you know different types of the parties and that just doesn't come with the api documentation it comes with a lot of resources that we need to provide that's open um, so that it's become extremely self-service and that's really our goal as a product now, theoretically, to walk me down this path, because Robinhood's not going to go there, but theoretically, Robinhood was built on top of Apex. So what people don't understand, Robinhood could not be an $11 billion company today. And we could argue $5 billion, $20 billion, whatever. It's $11 billion per the last round or $10 billion or $9 billion. I don't, I don't care. It's, it's large. Theoretically, it was inevitable and again, I don't talk to the company about this stuff, but it was inevitable that they would have to replace Plaid. And maybe they have, maybe they have an Apex. And they did replace Apex. So is there at some level because of, of, of brokerage customers eventually, if they get to the size, have to solve your problem anyways, or no? What do you think about that? So I think it's a probably question of an internalization of uh, uh, what they do. And the I think there's always a choice as an operator should we internalize this or should we continue to use the uh, outsourcing products? And I think like once they get to enough scale, like Robinhood, obviously, it's better to internalize it. And, you know, they did have the velocity of the growth and also capital behind it. So it really made sense. But, you know, Robinhood is a core market in the United States. And that's also another reason why we focus on a lot of international uh, uh, opportunities is that, you know, the U.S. market and being regulated in the U.S. is a piece of the components that they have to do. And doing that internally may not be really worth it 
for uh, a lot of lot of companies, unfortunately. And we're not only talking about like Robinhood for different countries, right? Like you know, there's a lot of super apps uh, evolution of that their core company products may be messaging apps or core products may be uh, some kind of HR systems that they want to provide the pension services or something. So it really doesn't make sense for them, even they grow so big as a company, try to internalize everything, specifically extremely heavy compliance and the legal burden, in which we want to prove that, um, that this is easy if they use Alpaca. And do you think Robinhood one day could just do both now that they built their own clearing, would they, or would that be crazy of them to do the alpaca model and their consumer model? Can you do both? Well, I think like, you know, eventually if you had a lot of money and uh, like, I, I wouldn't say it's impossible, like anything is possible, but I think it's really about the brand and it's really about who you are targeting to. And the, if you are doing the consumer facing applications, and also you're building developer-facing products, it's a two completely different products and mindset and how you manage the user base and community base is completely different because um, your target, like our target is developers. That's are not like Robinhood users who want to like, you know, trade on the mobile app and that, that have their art in it. And there's an art in the developer side as well. So yeah, they could, but it's going to be uh, basically building from the scratch um, in terms of building the experience uh, and also the uh, product. So you're rooting for Robinhood. If they're not a competitor, you're rooting for them because they expand the market. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, Robinhood. Um, you know, I, I very like and respect highly of the blood and Baiju and their, uh, you know, aggressiveness of the growth, uh, expanding the market for us uh, so that they're creating and giving the inspiration to the global level that a lot of entrepreneurs believe that this is doable. And we're one of them, like, you know, who were very much inspired by them. Oh, this is doable. We can do this uh, without experience of actually building a broker dealer uh, before. Yeah, no, I I really am. I I believed you would say that. I didn't ask you about that before the show. I feel like that's the right attitude. I was just just asking. Like, I agree with the way you're thinking about it. But what do I know? But I do think that your attitude towards them is like, yes, to, you know, to the victors go the spoils. They expanded this market. It's theirs to screw up. I think what's super exciting, and again, I'm on both sides of the table here because I'm kind of bummed. I want, to, I want <laughs> no, them right? to dominate. No, not with you. I want them to dominate the UK and Australia, but they couldn't even get it done there in an English-speaking country, which goes to the point of how important this, this glo- like, I mean, you'd have to be nuts not to know this. I don't think I'm giving away any secrets. Like, like this is like a land grab now that they've pulled out of, uh, you know, so yeah, I give up some potential market cap in my Robinhood shares, but it opens up the world for now everybody. It's a, it, like that helps you that they retrenched out of, this is just you and I chatting. Does it not help you that they retrenched out of the UK and Australia? <laughs> yeah, I think that, they, that, that did give the, some signals that it's not easy for even the Robinhood to do that, like as you're saying, those countries. And um, like, I, I think like the key, key word that you were trying to say is like, I think localization and I would even say culturalization. That's how complex it is to handle this investment product. And I think like because of that, a lot of entrepreneurs are actually excited because of this for sure. And Robin is still growing. So like, you know, they're showing the way to grow even with the uh, limited geography or limited, like you know, some constraints, but there's always way to grow. Isn't it fascinating? Yeah, I mean, because 
it's like E-Trade's an $11 billion company. I've been around 90, 90, 20, over 20 years. And so we saw the same argument with, with Tesla. Oh, well, they're bigger than GM, and they're bigger than Ford, and they're bigger than Honda, and they're bigger than Frank's cars. And Nicole, you know what I mean? And yeah. sure enough, they continue, the canopy continues to grow. And this is why I talk about TAM. Everybody's focused on like, well, Ah, like it has to be overvalued because it's worth more than E-Trade and no one's figuring out that if you light up Nigeria or Mexico, the first stock those people want to buy is an American stock. We may be losing the culture war because of our politics or we'd be just maybe becoming more like every other country in the world, but our brands are still the ones clamored for. Definitely, definitely completely agree. And I think that's what we're doing, like you know, exporting this branded products called U.S. Securities to global. And we want to, you know, handle back office, middle office to make it so easy to do that. Okay. So, so you needed to lead with that. See what? It took me 40 minutes to get you to say that. <laughs> all right, let's start. Knut, let's start all over. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it goes back to my question. Head of marketing next. Yeah. Hire. So true. funny. So it's just so complicated. Like everybody thinks it's so easy, but it's just like, you know, we, 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 all, you know, I've got a hundred children, I call them companies, children, CEOs that I got to talk to and some are doing well all the time. Some aren't doing well and some go up and down, but it's just like, there's no rest. You're constantly repackaging your idea and learning how to sell it. It's very complicated. Like you throw words like API and everybody, you know, the tech people, it's like Bitcoin, such a great piece of software, but no one explains it well. 10 years in, 11 years in, it's like APIs. It's like no one owns Twilio. You know, these stocks continue to or open source. There's only two public companies that are open source. People are talking about a bubble and we have two open source companies that are public. There's no bubble. I mean, there's a bubble. The bubble is like in, in, in the lore. There's going to be a hundred open source public companies, aren't there? Oh yeah, definitely. It's going to be that. Yeah. And, and so what do you get excited about? What, like you're a geek. So like what companies inspire you public or private? Well, I think like, you know, I definitely look into FinTech, right? Like, like you do, um, especially because of this COVID, uh, there's a lot of ways that people are changing in terms of the lifestyle as well as the location. And people think that because location really doesn't matter because of the zoom and Slack and like, you know, this whole internet, but it's not actually true. Like each of the local countries care about tax. Each local countries care about, uh, you know, some kind of labor law. Some countries care about regulation for certain rules. And it's actually a lot of things that's preventing uh, things to go smooth. And that is the opportunity. And I think like, you know, we see a lot of uh, 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 road bumps that we didn't see before because of this even more freedom that we're getting through uh, COVID breakout. And I think like, you know, that really excites me because it's it really finally showing that, uh, you know, what can be done in a true sense of the uh, um, global opportunity uh, that's actually happening, not only, f you know, for the U United States, but it's actually global and solving that problem actually, actually create huge values that, you know, U.S. investors can understand and the global investors can understand. And I think that really excites me as a trend. Yeah. And when I met Gary, my partner, first guy I met, when I was coming to San Diego, my VCs hooked me up and I met Gary and I'm like, we invested. And he's like, ah, we're moving to San Francisco. Once I got funded, I moved to San Francisco. And I was like, I wasn't going to make you, but yes, please go to the center of the universe. This is like 10 years, nine years ago. Go, please do that for me. And now it's the opposite. It's like, you mentioned, oh, maybe I'll go to Japan. I'm like, you do that. You go, girl, you get to Japan. Like, it's not about 
you're in San Francisco and you're like realizing this can be done anywhere. It's like the opposite in just nine years. Yeah, it's crazy. And and I think like, you know, that that the people still don't understand is that there's still so many uh, infrastructure that needs to be sorted out. And there has been a lot of legacy companies and product that has been working on it. But I think there are many smart startup entrepreneurs now tackling those things. So we see so many improvements in coming like two, three years. And that's really exciting. Do you get nervous about the word bubble? Like, cause you're in the FinTech business or do, what, what do you see? Cause you see what you'd see the headlines, you see the traffic, yeah. you see people doing maybe stupid things with their money, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, what do you get worried about? I focus on, of course, long-term because I think that's as a CEO, that's my job. Um, like, you know, what is the, the whole global is going towards. And I don't think this uh, trend of, uh, you know, destroying the walls between the countries and the whole places uh, is not going to change. I think that's going to just continue to ex- accelerate in many ways. So that, that, is, that is really a key driver that, you know, it's really pushing us to keep building this uh, API product for uh, stock trading. In terms of what worries me about is, uh, uh, um, yeah, of course, like, you know, certain bubble, like, you know, there are a lot of, lot of pessimists, uh, you know, talking about like what could go down and everything. Um, but yeah, like you know, it, it could happen. But like you know, fundamentally, I think that the overall trend of you know more people participating in these capital markets globally, uh, and like you know from the outside of the U.S., it's even more people will be participating. So yeah, I, I cannot just see that this whole trend reversed uh, into the completely different different direction, at least for business. And so. Do you, and right now people, I can, you know, I have an Alpaca account. People today, you don't promote it, but you can just go to alpaca.markets and open a brokerage account. Yes, no? Correct, yes. And are people doing that? I did it, but are people doing that? It's really great. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And and that is just more for you to eat your own cooking, or is that like in the Robin Hood vein, you can't do both? What's the, the point of having that? Having the Alpaca account, you mean? Yeah. Like uh, you're not actively promoting Alpaca, meaning you want developers to use the product, but is it just more to learn how everything works or, or, or to share how you guys have done it? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think like, you know, our platform is really great. Um, not only for just investing and trading, but really about people who want to build something that has actual uh, reaction to the, the applications, right? Because like, if you build something, some app, as a hobby because like a lot of people now have more time, but like, you know, it's so hard to get the reaction because you need the users to have that reaction, but building right. some applications that's connected to the capital markets and stock market that's changing every single day. So you, you can get the instant reaction of what you're building and you can test it and you can make it better. So I think that that's actually is a great place to even start learning the code and like you know, building something. And that eventually creates ideas to build something bigger with a, as a legitimate business. And that's, we want to definitely promote as a company. So developers should like do what I did, go to Alpaca and open an account themselves, correct? That, that is correct. That's what I was trying to get to. Okay, great. So, so the next couple more questions. What country excites you? What, like if you? what wouldn't surprise you? Which countries do you expect to be huge Alpaca sources of developers? Definitely the US, but uh, we see uh, pretty distributed uh, geographies, but like India and uh, Europe 
uh, like you know, Germany and the UK have a big population of the developers who's interested in fintech, and uh, you know more uh, increasing numbers of the African region, and that's very very exciting for that regards. Unfortunately, we don't see too many coming from Japan. Uh, probably a lot of language barrier reason, which uh, you know I need to change personally. Yeah, you do. It's amazing. Like for such a forward-thinking technology part of the world, they haven't adopted the language. Listen. You've got to get over that hump. It seems like English is the tech language in many languages. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that's the reason why, like, you know, we always uh, like debate ourselves, like, who we, where we should have the team, because now we are fully uh, distributed globally uh, as a team. And, uh, you know, we have the, uh, uh, you know, members from Europe, uh, like Latin America, uh, you know, Canada, US, and, uh, you know, Southeast Asia. But we don't have Japan, so uh, so, interesting. Like, you know, <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and, and the thing is, they were so early, and it, and it proves my point about markets. They didn't need to speak English because price and volume, and just such great companies out of Japan, that was all you needed, right? It yeah. wasn't about yeah. English or Japanese or Chinese. It was about great companies, global companies, global manufacturing technology, and price and volume. So language yeah. wasn't the thing, but now language kind of is the thing in a tech world. Uh, not yep. just coding, but English. Ninety, I don't know, a percentage of the company, the world's the developers are speaking English, but it's a high percentage. Is there a country that besides Japan that surprised Japan on the negative? But is there a country that surprised you in terms of inbound that's like interested that you can share? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I, I think like you know one is uh, Africa actually has like a lot of uh, uh, I feel like you know the like heat uh, of trying to provide this. Uh, uh, capital markets access of the U.S. to the African continent in general. I feel like there's a really strong uh, uh, demands that's coming uh, from multiple numbers of the people uh, to us. I think that's really exciting. Of course, like, you know, Southeast Asia, you know, we've been seeing a lot. And, but like, you know, I feel like, you know, Southeast Asia, there's a, uh, each country seems to have a little bit different types of the approach. And, you know, some Players have a different approach of try to cover that hole, um, and the uh, but like I think those are the uh, two sections that like more of the unexpectedly seeing strong demands. And of course, there's a Europe, right? Like you know, Europe always is very very keen on uh, how they can provide the U.S. stock market access. So it didn't surprise us, but you know, those two regions are pretty surprising. And I'm I'm personally excited because it's a uh, you know those more of the emerging area like kind of excites me, right? Uh, okay, like how can we do this? How can we do this good and make it grow? And so, and where do the options and, and Bitcoin fit in finally? Where do you see them? Oh, the options, uh, you know, we're, uh, it's a work in progress for us. Uh, you know, we're working on that, um, planning for next year launch. Uh, we believe that options trading is a per- part of the uh, just U.S. stock market uh, with a levered way. Uh, so we believe that that is the case. Our vision is uh, including, uh, you know, Bitcoin, crypto, uh, different types of the markets globally, as well as the different type of alternative assets in the United States to be uh, combined into one API. That's our goal. Uh, so, um, you know, our purpose is to keep adding different asset classes as fast as possible, as quickly as possible into the one consolidated uh, experience so that our partners our users, developers uh, don't have to deal with uh, many other things at all. Okay, well, I think we uh, beat the uh, alpaca horse. Is there something that I missed out on in asking you since you have this time? There's something exciting about alpaca that I've forgotten to ask. Are you hiring? Who should reach out? <laughs> Product manager, uh, we're hiring. 
And uh, we are always looking for great developers as well uh, who are interested in and like very excited about what we do. Um, but like, you know, you're weaving specifically hiring a product manager person, uh, you know, who want to be part of our team. Okay, great. And then um, I'm going to let you go. I'm really, I appreciate the time. And uh, it's been one heck of a crazy year for you. Yeah. You've had to travel the globe and keep the family locked down. It's, it's, how hard has it been? Are the kids back in school or what's the plan? Yeah, kids back in school, but, you know, they're doing remote uh, online school. But like, you know, my, my son is like, you know, really low first grade. So I don't know like how, how good it is working. And I think everyone's trying to figure out what, what, what I think is that it's just impossible to like create the same structure as we used to have in the pre-corona world. I think we just need to think about something new instead of try to replicate online everything from the physical world. I, I personally feel want to focus on uh, to think about even this like company management as well as the hiring process, as well as other bunch of the operational stuff on the business, as well as schools that, uh, you know, our kids are going through right now. Yeah, they used to call it homeschool and they used to call it remote work, but now it's work from home. And I think it's it's not school from home, but there's something in between. Yeah, yeah I, haven't, I haven't figured it out because you need both. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, but maybe to have both, we need to get back to school and realize, well, that was done before. It sucked at home and going back right. is worse than I remember. And that will lead to the next innovation in schooling. Whereas I think with trading, I just think people need to learn this language. And if they haven't started in March, they're already seven months behind the next generation of learning this language. So uh, the media is trying to scare people out of it. And of course, it's dangerous. There's risk to trading and then it takes years to learn. Uh, it's like going into Japan and expecting you're just going to get around by yourself the first day pre-internet. Right. Not going to happen. By the grace of God, you get lucky and, and, and you know where to go or uh, someone takes pity on you and, and, and points you in the right direction. And that's the way the markets are right now. But, you know, there's there's people out there with seven month head start They're, We can't put this back in the box. And uh, so it's like I appreciate the speed at which you guys are working. And, and there's no rest, is there? Uh, not at all. It just uh, get more difficult, more difficult uh, as we go on. And I think that's the exciting part. How big's the team right now? Right now, we have uh, 25, 26 people globally. So it's growing again, going pretty fast. Okay, well, congrats on uh, surviving so far. And yes. congrats on, uh, on this is such an important product for where the world is headed. So, uh, you know, it takes a lot of nerve to just quit one direction and say, listen, we got to go in this other direction. It's a bigger direction, I think. It's just so scary to do that because you just don't know. I know that I struggled with that. And, uh, you know, you need to have people around you that really understand your product. I think I think what we're seeing now, with, and you see this with pivots, is like it's hard. Like it's hard to tell a CEO what to do. You kind of had to decide this on your own. Or did someone give you advice to pivot? Uh, this is something that, um, yeah, Hitoshi and I decided after really talking through a lot of people. Um, but we had to decide ourselves. Yeah. So you can't just pivot for the sake of pivot. And you guys love the markets, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we love it. And, you know, it's just exciting because it's huge, right? It's huge market. Like, this is where we can swing really, really hard. That's what really excites us. Yeah. What excites me is sushi, sushi and Osaka. So yeah, yeah, keep yeah, doing yeah, what you're totally. doing. And uh, I, I look forward to comparing... Uh, Kyoto food to Osaka food at some point soon. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Looking forward to it. All right, my man. Knut, you still there? I'm here. You know, he's from he's from Japan. Did you get that, Knut? I think I picked that up a couple of times, yes. <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Yoshi, get back to work. Yeah, thank you. All right, Knut. Thank you. Talk to you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Knut! Hey. Feel like trading? <laughs> Now, you know, the more I hear, the more I realize, personally, I'm not very capable of trading. I leave other people to do that for me. Yeah, I just think it it's just so interesting how uh, how complicated it is out there. You can't just, like, everybody think, oh, you whip up an app. Uh, there's a lot of infrastructure that has to get built still, people. Uh, you know, it's fun to make fun of all these apps, but they're getting built on top of stuff that uh, we all laughed at 20 years ago. And now we need to rebuild this stuff so that the new apps can get built. So it's fun to look under the hood, yeah. but uh, it's an important company in the making. Oh, yes. No doubt about it. I love the name, Alpaca. It's an animal. The, uh, it's an animal. So you are listening to Panic with Friends, the soothing sounds of Canute Jensen. Yeah. How long have we known each other now? Since 1989. 99, that's uh, 72 years. Hang on, let me just ask Trump. 70 is my Trump <laughs> calculator. The, uh, is, 31 uh, trees years. Are ex- trees are exploding. That's how long it's been. Yep. The so eighty nine, huh? Thirty one years. August. Wow, you're you got a lot of patience. No doubt. Yeah, you're a, you're a you're a king amongst men. I have a I have a Teflon memory. That's why. Yeah, you're <laughs> a special person. So thanks for putting it all together. That is uh, Yoshi Alpaca dot I'm not going to butcher his last name, but Alpaca dot Markets. Uh, if your developer loves fintech, get over there, open an account learn if you're in another country hit me up hit yoshi up you want to build robin hood of fill in the country you can get powered by alpaca dot markets and be up and running and five percent of the time it would take uh pre-alpaca so um and don't be embarrassed to ask questions hit me up anything here inspires you just hit me up if you hit canute up you don't answer email do you i do oh all right hit canute up it probably won't go anywhere even though he says he does (laughs) (laughs) the uh because he is all marketing, no investing. That is true. You, tr- you trust me. You've been investing with me for a long time. Well, I usually have one question for you. Howard, how much money did you put in? And I'll put in about half of that. <laughs> I'm running out of money to put in. I got so much going on. <laughs> but yeah, I just need a rich uncle. So if you think you're a family member and have money, you can call yourself my nephew. <laughs> or call me your nephew. Call me daddy. So uh, Panic with Friends, you can go to Spotify, go to Apple, go to Google, go, I don't know, probably some new search engine for podcasts being built as we speak. Uh, search my name, Howard Lindzen, search Canutes, search uh, StockTwits, search Panic with Friends. You can go to my blog, howardlinson.com. I have a free email, free, delivered morning daily about trends and markets. Thanks, Canute. Thank you. See you, everybody.